Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I think I'm saying that correctly, at least. I am the host of this show that you're listening to called The House of Pod, a sort of humor-adjacent medical podcast. Today, we are going to talk about the increased workload that healthcare workers are under. And to help illustrate what's happening, we're going to take a look at an institution that is very near and dear to my own heart. It is the Santa Clara Valley Medical Center. It's a 731-bed public tertiary teaching hospital nestled deep in the heart of Silicon Valley. It's the first organized hospital in the San Francisco Bay Area, being at its present location since 1876. It's been an important part of the Bay Area for years. You know, it's taken care of a really wide range of patients, and it's been a respected teaching institution. It's been turning out Bay Area doctors um, for a long time. And it's one of three public hospitals operated by the county of Santa Clara. And it serves some of the most vulnerable low-income residents in an otherwise pretty wealthy Silicon Valley. It's an incredibly important hospital. I train there. I'm going to be very upfront about it. I have some bias because of that. I did a good portion of my training there. And in my opinion, I've never worked with finer doctors People who could have taken higher paying jobs or gone to big prestigious academic centers, but they chose to go to this hospital because of the mission statement behind it and taking care of the patients who needed it the most. One of these doctors has been on the show before. It's been a long time. So if you're a relatively new listener, you probably haven't heard him before, but he's a very important figure in my life, an important mentor of mine, Dr. Dennis Lowe, my, my my first attending when I was a lost, scared little intern, took me under his wing and provided me mentorship really since that time. Dr. Lowe, welcome back. Kave, I, I couldn't take you under my wing because you're much taller than I am. Yeah, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a large mammal. This is true. 
I'm a large people who listen to the show don't realize it's funny. I think I give off small guy energy because like when when people who I only know through the show or through like my social media like meet me in real life, they're always surprised that I'm like large. No, you're a man's man. I I have I I'm a good sized human. Yes. I yeah. would I would feel safe walking alongside you down most streets. <laughs> but not all. There's some streets where even I not large enough. Correct. Correct. <laughs> um it's really it's really nice to have you back on, sir. Um how how have things been going for you? It's been going well. I'm a retired physician, grandfather. I would say that I had some joy in volunteering for our public health department and joining the contact tracing team for a couple of years. Uh, mm-hmm. But as we know, the COVID has moved on, and so they've not needed me. I am uh, delighted to, that you invited our our our, our guest, uh, and I'll let you introduce her. But she and I go back a long ways. We were co-chiefs of the Division of Primary Care together. We were colleagues for what, Santhi, 20, 25 years, maybe more. And yep. Santhi was the was one of the key founders of our urgent care system at the Valley Medical Center. So without further ado, our, our guest is Dr. Santhi Lingameni. Uh, Dr. Lingameni, thank you so much for joining us. Of course, it's my pleasure. Thank you. So I wanted to, to discuss what's happening in the Valley right now, because I think no other situation really exemplifies the struggle doctors are having better um, and what they're doing to try and, and, and fight back and to fix things. Like a lot of doctors in the country, workloads have been increasing, pressures on them are getting worse. And this is not just doctors, this is all healthcare workers pretty much across the board. But it seems to be coming to a boiling point at the Santa Clara Valley Medical Center. A lot of doctors in that area, my impression from what I'm seeing from social media accounts, from talking to people, uh, from contacts I have still in that, in that area, seems like they've lost confidence in the county leadership Things seem in some ways, I think, you know, frankly, a little desperate. And I think it's important to discuss. And I think a lot of this is coming after the recent suicide of a doctor at the Valley. We're not going to go into tremendous detail about it because, you know, we all knew him very well. We all loved him very much. And if I talk about too much, I'll probably cry. And I don't want to do that on air. But it was a really impactful thing, I think, to a lot of doctors in the in that in that hospital. I know it's cliche, and I don't know if it makes much of a difference, but it's he's the kind of doctor where we never would have expected. I never would have. I know that's what people say all the time, but you know, truthfully, I can imagine it happening to 60 other people before it happened to this person. I'm sure there was a lot of components that went into it, but clearly the last couple of years um, of working have been incredibly stressful for a lot of doctors, particularly where he was. And this doctor... I shouldn't say committed suicide. I've been told I, I shouldn't say that, but died by suicide in his office. And I think that says something. When when something like that happens, I think there's a signal that is being sent. Am I, am I reading the correction? Am I reading this, this, what's happening correctly? Are we reaching a boiling point in the valley? And did the, the death of this colleague, is it in some way pushing doctors forward or, or triggering doctors at this point at the valley? Um, well, thank you. I think Kaveh for uh, inviting this this conversation and this this discussion. I think, I think in some ways the you know whatever term you use, whether it's moral injury or burnout, 
I think it's all basically describing a phenomenon that we all of us agree that I think it pre-existed COVID and all of the kind of more recent events um, across the world and, and across our area. Whether we're talking about this very painful suicide of a beloved colleague or, you know, the the person who um, just, you know, is having some kind of behavior or disturbance that you witness um, next to you or in front of you or yourself even um, on any given day. I think it's all just a reflection of the that state of tremendous um, burden that so many of us are carrying and haven't learned how to carry in a way that's gentle to ourselves and not in a way that's supported across our system. You know, our system and the systems we work within are not constructed in a way to prevent that and certainly respond to that or even minimize. I'm I'm glad you say it like that because you are acknowledging that there is internal and external forces on each physician. I mean, I am 100% for, you know, doctors being introspective, being mindful, yoga, all that stuff. But I've said it on the show multiple times, doctors are not going to be able to mindful their way out of the, the mire that we're in. It's the yeah. system that we're working in. And it seems like, you know, in, in this case right now at the Valley with the doctors, what they're dealing with, it's, uh, it, it's, I'm certain both. I mean, it's, in, but there's a lot of external pressures. I, and to that end, I know you're not part of the negotiation teams, but I do know that the county physicians are currently fighting for a new contract. I think in like month 20 of fighting for uh, in contract negotiations, demanding uh, increased pay, I think, and maybe reconsidering workloads. Can, can you tell us a little bit about what the doctors are pushing for right now? Yeah, I mean, I think I think pay equity is is almost a secondary issue. Um, and I think within my own division, the primary care division, uh, which is the largest division amongst our physicians um, at Valley, you know, the the leading issue is workload um, and the systems that we're working in. It's you know a tremendous insurmountable sort of expectation. And I think physicians who by nature are programmed to want to kind of take care of it, do it, you know, not leave anything undone. Um, it's, it's, it's almost a bar that's already designed to not be achieved or reached. Um, and a system that really is designed to not, um, you know, to not, to prevent that type of, of distress. And, um, and I think that's, I think one, if not the leading issue that we're bringing to the forefront in, in these negotiations. So there are, I think, a number of issues um, that the union is trying to, to um, address. Um, and being without a contract for this many months, um, years <laughs> is, you know, I mean, when I talk to other colleagues or in all sectors, not just medicine, um, yeah. you know, they're, they're appalled. <laughs> they're right. Like how, right. how, how, how is it that all of you continue to show up to work? Well, that's, that's already kind of, we already know the answer for that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, 
the desire to serve is 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 always going to lead us. Yeah, please. I'd be provocative, Santi, because you and I yeah. were there. I was some twelve years ago when primary care actually initiated the movement to try to unionize the physicians. Yeah. And it wasn't for more money. It no. was actually because of work conditions. Yep. And we were trying to have more say how to make the work condition more compatible with the demands of the job. Yep. The demands of the job, as you we all know, but I'm going to elaborate a little bit, includes being compassionate and emotionally in tune with the needs of the patient. And oftentimes they have needs that 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 speak to anxiety, depression, stressors that are not just on their medical problem list and are not just part of all the medications that they need to take. And to do that all within the codified 15 minute appointment is literally impossible. And it's actually been made more difficult by the computerized system because it makes us try to, um, to, to make all their medicines blend together. And sometimes their list of medications can go 10 to 15 different medications. And, and just doing that alone, making sure it's safe can be very difficult. But I'm gonna be a little bit controversial here. I'm tired of, of people saying that the doctors and nurses are heroes. They are not heroes. They are dedicated, incredibly trained, incredibly dedicated, hardworking professionals that come, come to that profession with a calling. And I remember talking to our, our colleagues, why did they continue to work at the county for a lower salary, for harder working conditions. And they cited three things. One was the mission of the hospital, to take care of all people that walked in the door, irregardless of ability to pay. Secondly, that it was a teaching institution and they loved teaching and having that interaction because we were also actively learning and becoming better physicians. And the third was the camaraderie that we felt between ourselves, the physicians, with our nursing colleagues And yes, in those days, even the administrative leadership of the hospital. But what has changed is this kind of one way, uh, my way or the highway directive from on high that does not allow for a compassionate discussion of what the needs are and what's burning out the physicians. Um, And they are, it is burning out the physicians. And I'll remind us, Santi, that about 10 years ago, a huge proportion of primary care left the valley For equally good institutions uh, in the Valley, they were all mid-career. They were not uh, retiring physicians like myself, but rather people that were were not only brilliant, but incredibly experienced. So I'm going to leave it right there and let you you riff on some of those things that I brought up. Because like I said, I don't want us to call doctors and nurses heroes. They are compassionate, incredibly trained individuals and they demand a compassionate interaction and a hearing out of what their needs are. Yeah, I mean, they're human and um, and have a limit. Um, and, and in a way, that label, that hero label almost um, makes it harder to say help or to say enough, right? Um, so I, I, I think it, 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 it does it does um, share appreciation and validation for the service in one sense, and it creates its own sort of ripple effect um, that I think is a disservice to to those people, you know, in those roles. 
you know, I, I don't know if that's even controversial anymore. I think now it's pretty well described by people in the medical community that they don't want to be considered quote unquote heroes because that's a really easy way to make them cannon fodder. And I don't think, I think you're, um, I think the tide has definitely turned on that. Nobody at this point, we're all like interested in helping people where we would have gone into other jobs. There's lots of other right. ways to make money, especially in the Valley. We could have made money in a million different ways, but there was something about this place that really brought a lot of people there. So in terms of the specifics, because people probably don't know, like what, what is it specifically that the people, the doctors in the county feel needs to change? So for example, with workloads, how many patients is each uh, primary care doctor there responsible for? And how does that compare to say other counties or other hospitals that, that may be different? Yeah, I mean, again, the workload isn't just about number of patients, and Dennis alluded to this, right? Like a big part of what drives our health work day to day is this electronic medical record system and all of the various tasks that come attached to every patient encounter, whether it's inpatient, outpatient, GI specialty, primary care, you know, whatever the hat you're wearing as a physician, it is no doubt an electronic medical record is driving the train, right? Is driving the work of that day, of that encounter. Um, and so I can have a day where I see four patients, which that A, that never happens, but let's just, for example. Sure. And that will be my busiest day because of all of these various tasks that need to happen that are attached to my patient panel. But in fact, what I have as a primary care physician, right, we have a workload based on just the scheduled patient load, which is extreme, you know, and Kaveh, you know, the, the complexity of our patients in our county system, which is a underserved, you know, population of patients, cross-cultural from basically every country in this, in this world. Um, uh, I think, what is it, Dennis, about 70 languages represented in our patient population community, yes. isn't that? Yes. yes. So, Diverse. I mean, yeah, and and many are either unemployed or underemployed. Many are food challenged and housing challenged. So there are so many social uh, determinants of health, which are so front and center for our patient's picture. Um, and our electronic medical record system is in some ways constructed, you know, blind to that. Um, and so, you know, we're driven by these various metrics and, you know, various, you know, pop-ups that might come up within 15 minutes, as Dennis was saying. And so that, you know, that's barely enough time, you know, when you really think about it to, to you know, just get through the, hi, how are you? And, you know, um, you know, and let me touch a few parts of you. Um, and then now you've got to also squeeze in time to chart all of that and put in whatever orders you feel are indicated. And so that just creates this huge yeah. stress on, on the physician, right? Yeah. And, and not, to, not to mention listening to the patient, yeah. what's really bothering them and what they right. want to talk about that day. Right. What matters, exactly. What matters to them. Right. right. And the joy, right? The joy for each of us in what we do is that connecting with the patient. And right. and I will ignore, I ignore all those pop-ups. That's how, That's been my wellness approach has been and how I guide my residents. I said, you know what, whatever metric it's telling you to address or 
not, you know, needs to happen. You know, you may be able to do that on this visit today, but you need to start. We need to start by addressing what is front and center for our patient. You end up doing a lot of non-physician tests, right? We've learned that um, working in an under kind of staffed or under um, funded or under, you know, um, equipped. I have a question for you, Santhi, and that is, I know that part of the issue is treating the physicians more like cash cows. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm saying that forcefully because they're looking for the clicks on the computer yeah. of how many patients were registered and came to the office yeah. so that they can bill for it. And yeah. so that's what they're looking for is volume, not quality, but volume. Yeah. yeah. And I, I'd like you to maybe comment on all the things that the primary care had to pivot to in the last three years of COVID, notwithstanding all the anxiety of the initial deaths that ha- that happened to um, a lot of people, including doctors and nurses in the first year or two. But yeah. what have you turned to in terms of, I know the division jumped into actually becoming uh, vaccinators. They jumped into telemedicine and a lot yeah. of callbacks. Yeah. I don't know how, how efficient has our system become in billing for some of that activity. And I don't think they're accounting for that kind of activity for the physicians. They're saying, you guys aren't seeing enough patients. Therefore, we need to add on, add on patients willy-nilly yeah. to your schedule. Kaveh, I don't know if you and your listeners are familiar with how federal federally. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Qualified healthcare facilities, so FQHC centers, which is what we are um, at at the county and uh, at most public facilities, right, where your dollars are Medicaid dollars, um, or a good segment of them are Medicaid dollars. So we're reimbursed per visit. Um, and so um, it can be a simple visit and it can be a complex visit, but with our Medicaid patients, Medi-Cal here in California, it is a per visit um, reimbursement. Um, and so there's a real push to kind of capturing as many visits as possible in a day, uh, irrespective of need or even of complexity. So I may have a super complex patient who has, you know, a very, you know, you know, complicated medical picture, let alone social picture, um, that's the same reimbursement as the young man coming to me who just needs a TB screening test for, you know, his new job at a school. So there's certainly some things you're describing, both of you, about the Valley that are universal, like the electronic health record system, which 
ostensibly should be improving our lives and making things easier, but in a lot of ways does the opposite. And you guys have been touching on that, but there are also some specific components that you're, that you're mentioning here. You know, what I was getting at was I, I think not, I mean, you facetiously said, you you might see four patients in a day. We know that never happens. We know that VMC primary care doctors are required to see what I was told, 11 patients per shift. And whereas- right. 20, in San 22 Fran- per day. 22 per day. Whereas in San Francisco County, San Mateo County, some local counties in the Bay Area, it is not that way. It's about nine patients per shift is the goal. So, I mean, there's clear discrepancy on top of the universal stress that people, doctors are having that seem to be happening here that are specific- and it, it it sounds like this is a real sticking point in the negotiations. Do you feel like there's been any progress made on that? Or do you feel like there's any hope there that that might be fixed? You know, I, I am an eternal optimist. Um, so I am hopeful that, um, that folks will um, respond to that need um, and we'll see, you know, I, I can't control um, how, you know, the response will be from the county side. This is a question for both of you. I mean, Dr. Lowe, you mentioned that there was an exodus of doctors a couple of years back when this started, when the county started really pushing on the workload and, and, and these metrics that need to be met were really starting to be driven. Is that is is it getting worse? Is it a steady state of doctors? Are we losing a lot of great doctors who who want to work for county patients and take care of county patients, but just can't for the risk of their own mental well being crumbling? I'll say right off the bat that I know there was a huge exodus from primary care, which was about ten years ago, and then there was a period where we had a lot of trouble recruiting people, including really excellent candidates from our own training program. And historically, candidates from our program wanted to work for the county. They wanted to stay at Valley Medical for some of the reasons I mentioned before. And there was a dry period where no one wanted to come. And we fortunately have had a good input of a number of younger physicians. But the talk is there's a risk of them leaving because why? There's a shortage of primary care in general, one, Physicians are retiring earlier, too, after this stressful period. And three, other other places are hire, out hiring us uh, for both working conditions and salaries. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very deeply concerned for an uh, institution we, we all love dearly. You know, you've mentioned the county executives now um, a couple of times. Let, let, me, let me tell you, let me read you something that County Executive Jeff Smith said. Um, uh, about the doctors. He said, this is, I guess, someone who's been heavily involved with the negotiation process from the county side. He said, this is just a political play or ploy for the negotiating team to pretend there's a problem with VMC. And he also describes that the real issue here is that some of the doctors are asking for raises that would give some specialists upward of $1 million in annual salary, which is pretty amazing. And I have a really hard time believing so I I don't know where he got that. I'm wondering, is this something that that you guys a have heard or b have a response to? You know, I I can't respond because I I don't have any idea of how that would work out that way um, at all. And certainly, different specialties make different money. I I mean, look, I'm a specialist. 
Yeah. Uh, you don't hear about specialists making that much money, particularly yeah. in account. It, I mean, the maybe like in someone who has like their own practice and they develop their own surgical center and they're really savvy yeah. with how they bill and all that stuff. Maybe. I yeah. mean, but that is extreme. That is insane. Yeah. I have such a hard time imagining this being possible. I'm a, I'm wondering if this came from like one particular person who is somehow leveraged like all their 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 retirement. I don't know how, but that doesn't seem like in any way a possibly a real number. It's insane. Well, yeah. I think I'm going to say right back that he's using a political ploy, exactly what he's accusing the, the physician group of. And that political ploy is playing one end of the subspecialists against a large group of primary care docs. The primary care docs issue is not about making a lot of money. They're not actually asking for much, much more, if, if any at all. The real concern is working conditions right. and that they want to stay at Valley Medical with the dedication to the mission. That's what was true now. That's what was true 10 years ago. And it was under this executive's watch that we had that large number of primary care people leave the system. It was under his watch. So you can't tell me that it hasn't happened before. And his political ploy is to play one end, like maybe one specialist right. against 75 or 80 primary care docs who are in the trenches every day. So Exactly. I find it's so hard to believe. Point. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's yeah. I mean, I know that's been a difficult negotiation. I know a lot of people in the county were also upset that, you know, after the suicide of a beloved doctor, the the response from the county seemed a bit trite and nobody seemed to it, it didn't seem to um, have any impact, maybe as as the physician himself may have been hoping it would. I don't know. Um, so where going forward do what's the what's the hope going forward for the the docs now what's the plan is it just to keep slugging through this negotiation which seems endless i mean what options are on the table for for valley doctors well you know i i think that i i think that we can control us right we can control how we meet the daily experience that we're experiencing and how we support our physicians across that is what i know for me is front and center because i can't control what so and so may choose to say or do i can only control you know how i meet this moment and how i meet this this these circumstances and I think as we do that work, that work individually, it's not to say we stop doing this, you know, collective work to change these circumstances or respond to these various things that we're, we're talking about. But I think learning to do it in a way that is um, going to allow us to, to continue to, to show up and prevail is where I feel I can put my energy and my effort and will and do put my energy and effort. And like for me personally, Kave, I all these years I worked full time, right? Um, and, um, and you know, when Dennis and I, when I was co-chief with Dennis, you know, I was kind of very junior in my career and, you know, pregnant with my daughter then. Um, 
And, uh, and I, you know, I never imagined I wouldn't continue to work, you know, full time until forever. But I, it took me for kind of to give myself permission to cut down now to 80% was a huge, it was personally really hard. Mm -hmm. And it's just this, it's overdriven sort of work ethic. um, And this, you know, need to sort of be there. Uh, to serve and to help. And- but this is what drives me crazy is that yeah. the people in county positions, they benefit from that. They know that's there. That's their advantage because yeah. they know at the end of the day, this is a patient pot. I mean, the Valley does take care of lots of different people from across the spectrum. I remember when I was there for part of my training, yeah. I was yeah. seeing like county executives and I was seeing people in government. So, you know, it's not yeah. just the underserved populations, yeah. but that's a lot of it. And if the truthfully, at the end of the day, I'm being a bit cynical, but there's two things that are that are really working against us. And one of them is that they know that people aren't going to care as much because of the population serving, because it's not tech CEOs and it's not the tech bros and it's not those people with the tons of money. It's an underserved population that doesn't get their voice out there and isn't being heard. And two, they know that we're going to deal with it. They know that doctors are going to just be there. I mean, Dr. Lowe, is there like... In in your in, in this union process, and you're trying to get a union started, would it even be conceivable in your mind that doctors would do things that other unions do, like strike? Like, is that something that would even be a potential taking to the next step? You know, when we started that that movement to approach the idea of starting a union, one of the things that we we uh, rallied around was that we would never strike. We would never use that kind of leverage or that arm because that was would be antithetical to why we are doing this work or the oaths that we took to do this work. So that was number one. Our whole idea was to have a voice, to have discussions, reasonable discussions about work conditions and that we would have a say in it. And and I would say that I will say this right on the air that I've written a letter personally to each of our board of supervisors, the leadership, urging them to to have a good interaction and listen to the physicians that has fallen on deaf ears because they allow the they want their county executive to run the negotiations and he he's a hardballer he run, he loves to play hardball he yeah. runs it uh and unfortunately i we we feel like the physicians are his corporate cogs he fits us into a a, a position a cog that that turns and if you don't fit, he's just as willing to let you go. Absolutely. And he, had, he had to let go. Uh, he didn't let go. A lot of people left. Yeah. And I think that is what we're heading for if they don't come down and sit down at the table and listen to each other. And the thing is, I, I'm being very cynical here, but I feel like even if the doctors were to strike, I don't think they would care. Like, I feel like... Again, they'd be like, well, you know, we're doing this county thing till we have a county hospital and we're doing that. But I, I don't feel the the people that are on that, uh, that are in the negotiating table from the county side understand how important it is to the county, uh, yeah. Yeah. to the overall health of the county. I mean, literal health. I'm not even talking about like health as in like the psychological health. I mean, like the literal health of the county. Um, so much of it comes from the Valley Medical Center. It takes care of everything there yeah. it's uh so it's it's very frustrating for me because you know I'm, i it's easy for me to be upset I'm, I'm far away from it i'm not like dealing with it but i see all these great people and all these people that like you guys who have put in so much time and energy and, and heart into this and um 
it's just unappreciated. And it, and that, that makes me upset. Well, yeah, I'm going to add one more thing since you brought it up. And that is 30 years ago, there was a movement by the then county executive and some of the board members to propose studying closure of Valley Medical Center. This happened in around 92, 93. Wow. And it was the doctors and the nurses that came out and said, you need, we need to keep this in our community. We've trained, cha uh, trained doctors and nurses and pharmacists that work in, in the community and in the other healthcare systems. It's been a, a, a major part of the history and the, and the, the service to the community. And we, we actually saved it. We stopped that movement. And so here we are 30 years later, it's thriving. I can give uh, full credit to this county administration for keeping us in the black or keeping us from going bankrupt. I give them aces for that, but I'd like them to show a little heart. You know, the, the physician at the top is a primary care doc by training. Uh, so I'd like him to recall how hard it was to work in clinic and uh, how challenging it was to be empathetic and to spend something more than the 15 minutes, that extra time that made a difference for the individual patient. Dr. Linda Manny, anything you want to add on this? And is there anything, any place you might recommend people go to, to if they want to learn more about this or if they are interested in, in helping in some way? Yeah, I mean, I think in our county, certainly to please write to your board of supervisor um, to, you know, express or share your, um, your appreciation or your, you know, your, um, your, your support for the physicians and staff at, um, at the county clinics and, and the hospital. I think our voice is, is, is our power. And, um, and I, I think where we do feel appreciation and where I feel deeply appreciative of is, you know, those people that we serve. Um, and, and I think that, I think, and Dennis would agree that remains so constant um, and so joyful um, that yeah. that is that is part of, of why we are here, um, and why we love doing what we do, and why we want to be able to continue to do it. And I think that's what this is about. Is and I think, and if that discussion can take place in a sense of everybody wanting the 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 Valley Medical Center to prosper moving forward, it's not like I don't think anybody wants or expects a million dollar salary. Frankly, no primary care doc ever expected that. Yeah. And and yeah. actually over the years, I've just been grateful that primary care docs could even afford a house in this area. And there were many years that went by where our colleagues could not buy houses. Yeah. So we know that happened too. So yeah. I think all I ask is for a compassion sitting down at the table. I ask the county executive and the leaders to listen to each other, to talk to the other side and not not come, not send down edicts from on high about how many patients should be added onto your schedule to increase the volume of income. Yeah, well said. All right, um, you, thank you both so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Um, Dr. Lowe, uh, I wish you were on Twitter to plug your, your Twitter uh, profile, but that's just not happening. So uh, Dr. Linga, many, I mean, I'm assuming you, do you have a Twitter uh, nope. Nope. Okay. No social very, media. Very uh -huh. good. First guest in a long time where that's been the case. My goodness. Okay. Well, it was really a pleasure having you both on. I really appreciate Thank it. You. I'm curious to get updates uh, from you guys and, you know, Dr. Lowe. Um, it's, it's always a, a blast to see you. 
I know you want me to call you Dennis, but it's just never going to happen. Well, then uh, you're always going to be Dr. Lowe. I'll settle for playing some music together down the line. I think that's a great <laughs> idea. Fantastic musician. Hey, tell people where they can find the music. I mean, do you guys have like a web page, like your, the the band? <laughs> well, I'm I'm on the uh, grandparents' social media, Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> and if you go to my page, you'll follow some of the actions of Idle Hands, which you've been part of. Idle Hands band. Yes, I played in that band, band with you. That's a band that has always played for fundraisers for healthcare causes, and we've never taken a dime. We, I, like I say, we don't play. We don't play for dollars or applause. We play for dancing and the cause. Dr. Lowe is a fantastic musician, plays harmonica very well, along with guitar and bass and pretty much everything. Okay, maybe I'll put in some of your music here. Can you send me some of your music? I'll send you some music. Okay, the music you're listening to right now is <laughs> the music from Dr. Lowe's band, Idle Hands. Okay, thank you both so much. Take care. Stanthi, love you. Love seeing you. Talk Great to, you. to see you too. All right, thanks for coming. Be well, Best to well. you and your family. Bye. Bye. This podcast is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult a physician or other qualified health care provider for your specific health care needs or concerns. The opinions expressed on this podcast do not represent the opinions of our employees. Details in the podcast have been changed so that patient identification is not possible. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.